We're going to bounce around today, football, baseball, and basketball, and we're initiating the quad box for the first time. We have three guests today. I'm super excited to welcome the Riff Ram Sports Show to the program. That's coming up next here on Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, free and available wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel or on your favorite podcast app. And as you see, we got a full house today. Uh, we have a couple guys joining us. This is the Riff Ram Sports Show on KTCU. Um, Ian Nepetian is there to my right. And then below me, Zion Trammell and Seth Waddle. Uh, they are students at TCU and avid sports fans, broadcasters as well. So happy to have you guys with us. And Ian, I guess just to start, uh, for those that might not know, hey, TCU has a radio station, and I mean, it's pretty accessible no matter if you're in the Fort Worth region or not. Um, what time is the show? How did you guys get together? Kind of give us the details on when they could listen to uh, some great local programming in the Fort Worth area. Yeah, for sure. Um, for just just first off, thank you so much for for having us, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so so myself, Seth Daddle, and um, Zion Trammell, we all. Um, our co-hosts on Riff Ram Review, it's a weekly TCU sports talk radio show on 88.7 The Choice. That's the uh, that's TCU's university radio station. Um, it runs Monday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, so every Monday from 6 to 8 p.m., if you guys want to, you know, turn the dial to 88.7 The Choice, we'll be on there having a two-hour show. We, we typically start out with basically the first hour is basically really just college-centric. We try to keep it to being TCU centric. And then if we need to maybe talk about the big 12 and things like that. And then the whole second hour, we try to push it towards the professional team. So Rangers, stars, Mavericks, and also talking about, um, you know, just other things going on in, in, in us sports. So Riff Ram review Monday nights from six to eight, you can listen on 88.7 on the dial, or I have the TCU uh, mobile app and I can like yep. just stream it from my phone there. So that's a really that good works way. Too. Uh, so yeah. that's a yeah, that's a good way to get it. Uh, I listen to baseball games that way too a lot. Um, Chuck Lamondola on the choice as well. So really good stuff from uh, from my pal Jeff Craig, who I did radio with a long time ago there in those studios. Uh, but but happy to have you guys with us. And yesterday or two days ago, I guess because we're in this on Thursday, I did a live show right after the schedule dropped because we knew the opponents right. But now we have an order of hey, these are when these games are going to happen. Um, I'll quickly run it down for people that might not be aware of what the 2024 schedule looks like for TCU football, but they're going to start on a Friday night against Stanford, which is kind of wild. An, an ACC game, I want to say Pac-12, but the Pac-12 <laughs> Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. That's an ACC opponent. And then they'll get Long Island at home, UCF at home, at SMU, at Kansas, Houston at home, at Utah, Texas Tech at home, at Baylor, Oklahoma State at home, Arizona at home, and then at Cincinnati. So I want to I want to get to all of you, but Zion, I'll start with you. When when you look at the schedule and you know what this team, we kind of know Josh Hoover's the guy coming into this upcoming season now at quarterback. We got a new defense with Andy Avalos. What are your expectations? What do you think success looks like for the TCU Horn Frogs? Do you have a record in mind? What what is your sense of what this team can do with this upcoming gauntlet coming in in the new look Big Twelve? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting year. I think it's a prove-it year for Sonny Dykes and this TCU Horned Frogs team that has just, in the two years under Sonny Dykes, been a complete roller coaster, the uh, highest of highs and lowest of lows. Um, but, you know, I, I'm looking at this schedule, and it, it's, you know, definitely going to be some tough matchups here. Going to Salt Lake City at Utah is is certainly going to be a tough matchup. You know, Arizona was was very successful last year. Um, and then, you know, of course, taking on Baylor and, and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, who is just in the Big 12 championship game. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely think Josh Hoover is going to get more acclimated in this offense. Uh, you know, they decided to bring back Kendall Bryles, which, you know, is is an interesting choice to see. And then with a the new defense, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I, I think it's it's a little hard to tell right now at this point. Um, I think that six to seven, you know, six to eight win range is, is hopefully, you know, on the horizon and, and maybe an, an improvement, but, um, you know, we'll see. Okay, Seth, uh, you know, I think Zion's right. I feel like this is a prove-it year for Sonny Dykes. Six to eight wins, I, I do believe that's an improvement. I'm not sure how much that moves the needle, but for you, what are you kind of looking for as far as improvement for this team, and what are your expectations for this group as they uh, embark on a new journey with a new defense and a new team moving forward? Well, obviously, I feel like you'd like some more defensive consistency. Uh, sure. There were flashes, I feel like, last year of, of, of brilliance, and we saw that in, in uh, 22 as well. Like the Texas game is the game I point to whenever someone says that the, the, the uh, Joe Gillespie's defense never worked. It did work. It worked several times. But, you know, uh, last year there were many times where, you know, uh, it just felt like the stop was, was like trying to stop the Red Sea. Um, and – especially that Oklahoma game, which I felt like was just the last straw. So more defensive consistency. Obviously, I, we don't know really what it's going to look like with the, a new D, D.C., uh, but that's for me what the key is because uh, TCU, like whatever your, your you know, your quarrels are with, with Bryles or the offensive scheme, they scored points for the most part. You know, sometimes it wasn't a, you know, the – the barrage that you would have liked. And sometimes it happened, you know, later than you would have liked, but they scored points. But if the defense could get more stops, I feel like that's kind of the key uh, for me. Ian, I mean, this is uh this is an interesting situation they're in now because Texas know you were gone, which I think, I, I don't know. I get the vibe. I, I was looking online yesterday and a lot of people were like, uh, this kind of looks like a group of five schedule. And I'm, I'm puzzled by that because yeah, obviously, like, those two blue bloods are no longer here. But as Zion talked about, like, Arizona's solid. Like, I know Jed Fitch is gone, which makes that a totally different team in some ways. But they were really good this past year. Like, Oklahoma State's always good. Um, you, you still have to deal with – they don't get Kansas State this year, but you have to deal with Utah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of coin flip games, I feel like, when I look at this. But what what does a successful year for you look like for TCU bouncing back after a, a tough five and seven season that we all had higher expectations for, I think. Yeah. I mean, for, first off, I'll just say that when, when, when I look at the schedule, I feel that seven wins would be, would be awesome. I, I think, I think that would be an incredible success coming off of last season, obviously being disappointed, but um, I think the biggest thing, and I think both Seth and Zion said, it, it's really just the consistency um, this whole last season, it was, okay, here's a hole on this side of the ship and there's another hole and you can't patch all the holes at once. And if, if there's not a consistent, if there's not one consistent thing, it's kind of hard to find what's been your, your guys's kryptonite. Right. And so I, I think it's just consistency. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this offense can do, um, in Kendall Brown's second year, 
um, especially with the offensive line. A lot of different pieces over the, over the last year, year and a half have, have moved on. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how they get on and try to protect Hoover and also what some of the new guys coming in can, can do to give Hoover, um, Hoover some options downfield. Yeah, Seth, you talked earlier about the, the offense. And, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Like, not that I'm dismissing what happened in Kendall's past, but bottom line was TCU decided that was worth hiring him. And so we're, we're here now. We're a year into this process. Like, what happened there was what happened. Um, and obviously I understand that people take issue with it. But the, the efficiency in the red zone was such a problem for me last season. And so I, I don't – now, Ian talked about the offensive line getting better. I think that's part of it. I'm not sure what the fix is, though, unless they're going to be better running the football, which they didn't do a whole lot of, especially once Josh took over at quarterback. Um, you know, you can pile up all the yards you want, but they, they got to find a way to score more consistently. And it can't be once you get down by two or three scores and suddenly you're kind of fighting back in garbage time. I just I feel like that was the biggest issue in my mind with the offense last year. Yeah, I agree. And the problem with that is like when 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 Kendall was at Arkansas, that was the exact same problem that they had. And and if you went on Arkansas Twitter and you were ask if you were to ask them, hey, what's your biggest uh, problem with the Arkansas Razorback offense? They would say we don't score in the red zone. So like right, that, right. that's carried over, and um, it's frustrating. And that's probably the most frustrating way for I feel like an offense to go is like when you're good, you know. 20 to 20, but then once you get inside that, that area, it's just difficult. And it's hard to pinpoint a fix. Uh, you said, you know, running the ball more uh, might be an option, but, you know, Hoover, they kind of traded him as like a gunslinger, and that worked at times. And um, against, uh, who was it, Baylor? He th- against uh, BYU, sorry, he threw like 50 yeah. times. It was, yeah. it, was, it was like, was Amani Bailey even there? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, once you get into the red zone, I feel like, and this is kind of like as a Cowboys fan, my problem with Kellen Moore also was that he decided that the regular plays were no longer worth calling. And he uh, started calling these crazy, you know, whatever. Uh, and I would always look around and go, the boring plays work, guys. It's, yeah. it's, it, what was working when you got here and you stopped doing it, it, it just doesn't make much sense. So, um, I mean, I'm no offensive genius, but that would be my kind of thing. It's like once you get to the 20, it, sometimes it's okay to just keep doing what you were doing when you got but to get you there. Uh, so yeah. Ian, were you a Pac-12 guy growing up in, in the West Coast in California? So to be completely honest, um, I barely even watched college sports before okay. I came to TCU. I was I was strictly professional um, since, since I moved around a lot as a kid. I never really got attached to a certain school or anything like that. So I, I, I wasn't rooted in, uh, in the Pac-12. I got you. I was just curious because I, I know like the new schools that are coming in, Arizona's solid. I said yesterday I thought Utah was probably the scariest team long term. But I guess you know, when you look at like Utah and Colorado, because in my mind, Colorado is just so much connected to prime. Like whenever he decides to move on, that could be the end of it. But which of those schools that are kind of coming in, and it could be outside those two, but in my mind, that's what I'm, I'm looking at. Which of the two that you feel like could really make some noise immediately in, in the new look Big 12 in football? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know a ton about Utah, to be completely honest, but what Arizona did at the end of last season, I think they got three straight wins against top 25 opponents. Um, based off of Arizona's history in, in football and their football programs, that's kind of unheard of. Right, right. Um, so, so to see Arizona step up like that last year, have the season that they did, um, it's definitely um, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they carry that into the Big Twelve um, when because this is you know such a transition period. 
there's going to be times for for some of these teams to really try to cement themselves as the front runner. And Zion, before we go to break here, uh, how excited are you about this new look defense with Andy Avalos and kind of moving out of the Joe Gillespie area? Hope hopefully getting more aggressive maybe on defense and putting more pressure on the quarterback this year. Yes, uh, that's the big thing that I'm looking to see is the the defensive line. Uh, that was a major struggle last season, uh, failing to get pressure. And then, you know, the secondary fails um, and, and it's it just all turned into a disaster. We saw that several times with Josh Newton and, and other guys in that secondary that, that kind of struggled because the defense was failed to get some pressure. So I do I would really like to see a more aggressive defense. Um, and I think they, you know, attacked the transfer portal a little bit, added some guys on the offense and defensive line. Um, so I, I would really like to see that improve a lot. And it, I think it's good to get a new face uh, to take over this defense. They, you know, like Seth said uh, earlier, they were decent last year. They showed some flashes, but ultimately I think it was time to move on. And a lot of fans were hoping that there was going to be a switch at one of those big coordinator spots. And I think defense was the right call. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what Andy could bring to this defense. And I, I think we'll see a, a, a much more improved uh, defense in 2024 for TCU. What is the ceiling for TCU basketball? How far can this team go coming off a big win over Tech? That's coming up here on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. I do want to tell you about one of our great sponsors. Uh, Super Bowl is coming up. Chiefs Niners. It, it's amazing that Pat Mahomes has found a way to get back to the Super Bowl. The only team that can keep Pat Mahomes from winning titles is Texas Tech, apparently. He's just got the Chiefs right back there in the big game again. Uh, Niners with Brock Purdy, great story, former Iowa State QB. Who do you think is going to win that ball game? FanDuel.com slash on. Go there today. Make a $5 bet. You can make a $5 bet on who you think is going to win that game on the money line. You'll get $200 in bonus bets that you can mess around with immediately. $200 in bonus bets in exchange for one $5 bet. That's a pretty good deal. FanDuel.com slash on. You can also download their app, which is easy to use. And you can bet straight up on the game or against the line, or you can make one of their many prop bets. Who's going to score the first touchdown in the game? Is there an anytime touchdown prop for Travis Kelsey? That seems like a really good bet. Um, how many times is Taylor Swift going to be shown in the stands? All kinds of options at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn or the FanDuel app. FanDuel, official betting partner of the NFL and proud sponsor of the LockedOn Network. Perfect time to jump on in the action before the Super Bowl kicks off in Vegas. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Take advantage of that bonus bet steal today. All right, back in our uh, back in our quad box now, and so we're we're talking TCU basketball, and Ian, I'll be honest. Uh, during non conference play, I kind of I didn't bury this team, but when they lost to Clemson and lost to Nevada early in the season, I was sort of like, all right, if this is you know if this is the teams that they're playing that are decent and good, I, I'm really I'm not excited about the gauntlet of the Big Twelve schedule week in and week out. How are they going to hold up? How are they going to do this? Can they score enough points? But, man, I mean, they've just completely turned this thing around. They beat Tech last night at home. They're now 5-3 and three in conference play. Uh, I guess what has impressed you the most about this version of Jamie Dixon's squad? And, you know, we're, we're midway through conference play now. How far do you think this team could go possibly? I know it always depends on the matchup and all those things. But when we talk about postseason tournament play, what do you think this team can do moving forward? 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've been impressed with what TCU's done over the last couple of games for sure. It's it's you know they're they're an incredibly streaky team. Um, there's days where they're going to make you just want to rip your eyes out and tear your hair out, and then there's going to be games where you're just like, this is a really talented team, and and they've shown that over the last week and a half or so. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to what the rest of the season has in store. They got a big win over Texas Tech um, last night on Tuesday. Um, and I think really it's just about kind of keeping this momentum going. We've talked about it on our show multiple times. It's it's really difficult to get just a just a simple winning streak going in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. with how many good good teams and schools there are. Um, I'm 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 hoping TCU can go far um, in the tournament. I, I think I, I I would obviously love to see them uh, try to contend for the Big Twelve tournament championship. Um, but it, yeah. it really matters on how streaky this team can get. Yeah, Seth, I mean, early in the year, I, I, I sort of thought this was a disadvantage. They had Mike Miles last few seasons, and it didn't seem like they had a clear, like, go-to score. I think they tried to get Emmanuel the ball in some clutch situations, but the guard play was kind of lacking. But honestly, at this point, it really does feel like they're a 10 deep rotation that has a lot of different guys that can get it going on a given night. I, I mean, my perspective has sort of changed, but what do you see as far as who the leaders on this team are and just the versatility they have with their ability to score with different guys. Yeah. You said it was crazy because like, it's kind of evolved last year. It kind of felt like the offense ran through two people and now I could see any five on the floor scoring for TCU. Yeah. I am just, I've, I've just been, you know, it's outstanding how much uh, Trevian Tennyson has uh, evolved over this entire season. I mean, he's one of the best shooters in the country and he continues to show it um, every single game. Um, I mean, he, he's just so confident, and you can tell ever since that Kansas game. I mean, he, it, it, I mean, last night he even pulled up on a on a fast break for three. I know JB Nixon didn't like it, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that just I feel like that just shows you how confident he is in a shot. Um, and I also last night against Tech in particular, uh, Micah Peavy's improvement offensively at times this season has been, has looked has just mm-hmm. been outstanding. Uh, there were many times last year where it felt like he couldn't make a shot, and then this right. year. I mean, last year, I mean, last uh, last night he was four for four from three um, and was just putting it to his former team. So I think those two, especially after last night's game, have really stood out to me the most. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you can point to any combination of, of, of players that can go and lead on the court. I mean, uh, Jameer Nelson had, has really emerged as of late after some, some struggles early. But, uh, yeah, I feel like – Tennyson and Peavy are, are, are guys that I feel like, especially Peavy, since he's been here a long time, has, a, has shown that he's 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 become a, a big leader for this team. That was a funny – I was I was kind of looking around on Tech Twitter last night, and I guess they called him no-shot Micah when he was there, which he was only there for one year. I can't even remember how much he played at Tech, but obviously jump shooting was never has never really been his thing, and he's evolved in that, though, a lot. You're right, he looks super confident, either putting the ball on the deck or pulling up and – I mean, if he can be an offensive player along with what he does defensively, that's that's massive. Um, Zion, I know you were there last night, and man, I when I went to school back in the day, it was uh, as as we were making the Big Twelve transition, and they were having you know they had to get real creative to get people in the stands because there wasn't there wasn't a big reason to go watch Trent Johnson basketball. But what was the atmosphere like against a, a Big Twelve opponent like Tech? It looked looked like the students showed out, and it was a pretty good loud environment there on TV at least. Yeah, TCU and, and Jamie Dixon's really created a culture that's uh, encouraging students to go to games, and they don't really need much incentive to go. They know how talented this team is, and 
they'll show up, you know, in an hour, a couple hours before tip off. And they rushed on in and tried to, you know, get as close to the court as they possibly could. But I think what's interesting with TCU and Texas Tech, obviously there's a lot of tech uh, alumni that live in this area. So they're going to show out to these games. And they definitely did last night. I think there's, uh, you know, it was a lot more purple, but, you know, they're, they made their voices heard. Uh, and right. There's a couple Texas Tech, you know, they're, Red Raider chants and whatnot, and you know that obviously bothered uh, the fans a little bit. But it was such a crazy atmosphere, and it, it got very intense as TCU versus Texas Tech has, especially in basketball. We've had some great games over the last few years, and and they really got into it when Jameer Nelson hit that three pointer to give him a nine point lead. I mean, the place was as loud as I've heard it, mm-hmm. and uh, I think there's really a lot of excitement. Uh, around TCU men's basketball right now. So I'll go to each of you guys because I think the conversation, or at least the conversation I've heard a lot around Jamie is, okay, obviously he has done amazing things for the program. He's taken them from laughing stock to a place now where, I, I mean, I expect them to make the tournament most years. I expect them to be a force. I don't know when and if they're going to take that next step, right? But Ian, we can start with you. Do you think this is the type of team that could make it? I know, yeah, we got to know the matchups and the draw and all that. Is this the type of team that can make it to the second week into the tournament and kind of break through that? It's not like it's been a really long time. They've lost two second-round games in a row. They should have beaten Arizona a few years back, but sort of break through that ceiling and get to, you know, Sweet 16 where we're talking about, okay, is there a path to the Final Four if things break right? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it does all depend a little bit, obviously, with the seedings and things like that. But I think the biggest thing about this team, which which is kind of what gets you through the tournament, is the depth aspect. Yeah. Uh, Seth mentioned it there and, and kind of just talking about the roles that, ju- ju- that, that just different players can play. And what's so remarkable, remarkable about this team is that Jamie Dixon's created a culture where these players understand their roles. They know that sometimes Jameer might have to come off the bench. Sometimes he's going to be starting. Jacoby Coles, even though he may not be the sharpest shooter, the best in the paint, he's going to have to come on and and provide for the team. And I think really what TCU has um, that they can lean on is just a good culture, a group of players that knows their role, and a group of players that can do their role effectively. Seth, what about you? Do you think this is a team that can get to, you know, that that – round of 16 and get to that second weekend of the tournament? I think so. Um, obviously, though, I feel like – and Ian kind of talked about it with the streakiness, and the streakiness for me just is mostly about the half-court offense. And that and that's yeah. mostly it just pops itself up during games. Like, um, And this hasn't happened the last couple of games, but in those losses, you know, against Cincinnati um, in particular, they went, they went minute-long stretches without scoring a point. Um, so that's kind of my, my biggest, you know – what if sort of thing. I also think they need to take care of business of the regular season because it is imperative to get a good seed to, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like you can, you can go deep in the tournament, obviously as an eight or nine seed, we've seen that heck even a 15 seed, but uh, if you can get three or four, heck even five, you, you get a, one, a favorable first round matchup and two, you don't have to, maybe TCU won't have to play Arizona or Gonzaga in the second right, round, right. Uh, which is just, I mean, Obviously, they were in both of those games, uh, and they could have won both of those games, which is something unheard of for this TCU basketball program as of even like six years ago, right? But 
if they can one take care of business and find some you know consistency in the half court offense especially i i definitely feel like they can at least get to the second weekend and and once you get to the sweet 16 it's anything goes zion is this team built for tournament basketball better than you know the last few years absolutely i think last year was an unfortunate situation running into gonzaga in the second round i think that team could have made it even further if they had seen literally anybody else um but this year this isn't an experienced team you look up and down this roster you know they played a lot of college basketball i mean chuck o'bannon is in what like his sixth year i mean was crazy plays played college basketball for a long time a lot of these guys you know have played several years so they know what it takes to get it done and really i mean you're looking at just a couple uh minor things that they can in, in late game execution and you're looking at you know a what six and one conference record if they fix things against Cincinnati and and Kansas I mean really the one conference loss that I felt they really just did not play good basketball was against uh, Iowa State so this team can go toe-to-toe with anyone uh you know when you have guys that can really run the offense well if, if Avery Anderson and Jameer Nelson they can limit their turnovers like they did last night uh, you know, you have a strong defender in PV and, and good rebounders and in, in Uday and, and Emmanuel Miller. This is as, as loaded as, as a team in the Big 12. And um, despite how stacked this conference is, I, I have a lot of faith. We're going to close things out with some baseball talk next here on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. All right, guys, we're, we're running low on time here, so we can do this quickly. But I, I do want to get to some baseball because – we're talking about a team that's top five in the nation, which I'm not shocked by, but I thought with, I mean, they lost Braden Taylor, obviously you're losing Trey Richardson, a lot of firepower from that lineup. I know they did a lot of work in the transfer portal, but Zion, I'll ask you this, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm asking you first. You didn't have as much time as the other two to think about it, but what player, whether it's the rotation, whether it's the lineup, it doesn't have to be a new Kilmer. Give me one or two guys that you're most excited to watch this year as CCU baseball embarks on a new season and trying to get back to Omaha. Oh gosh, it's there's a lot to point to. Uh, this I think the pitching staff is much more improved. Uh, I'm really excited to see Peyton Tolley uh, join this team as as kind mm-hmm. of a two way player. Uh, see what he can contribute uh, and what his role will be. I'm I'm pretty excited to see him. And then I'm gonna go with Carson Bowen. I mean, Carson Bowen was yeah. uh, tremendous last season and and really came on as a freshman. I mean, just a tremendous hitter at the plate. Good uh, plate discipline as well. Uh, he's got a lot of power. I, I, he can hit it to all parts of the ballpark. So I'm really excited to see what Carson Bowen can bring and, and Peyton Tolley as well. Seth, who are the guys you have on your radar for this upcoming season? I'm going to go with Ben Abelt. He's yes. someone who he, uh, he stood out toward the stretch run last year. Uh, and I feel like he's going to play an even more prominent role this year. Uh, maybe even potentially in that closer role. Uh, we'll have to see, um, Obviously, they've been kind of tight-lipped about how everything's going to go in terms of the pitching staff, but yeah. I expect him to play a very big role, uh, so I'm very excited to see him. And I'm also excited to see how Anthony Silva grows uh, as well, uh, particularly at the plate. I mean, now he was already great, but second year, I feel like he's going to make some adjustments because uh, he's already a great defender. And so I feel like he can really just become a really good all-around player uh, this year. So those two, both of them freshmen last year, so I, mm-hmm. I hope, hopefully no sophomore slump. Seth, is there any chance Ben starts, or do you feel like he's he's strictly a bullpen guy? I think there's a shot that they try it out and see how it goes. Um, but 
I feel like he really his his arsenal. I feel like is really suited well for short burst in my personal gotcha. opinion. But I feel like they'll I'll, I feel like they'll try it out. Yeah, I Ian, agree with Seth on that. Yeah, I, I think just his pitching is pitching arsenal caters more to the bullpen. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, I think it's one of those things like you want to be greedy and be like, what could that guy look like if he can give you seven innings on a Friday night? At the same time, he was so useful as just to do everything. You know, he could go an inning or he could go three innings last year. You could bring him in in the sixth or you could bring him in the eighth. Like there were just a ton of options uh, and, and opportunities for him. Ian, who are your guys that you're excited about for TCU baseball this year? Yeah, uh, for – First one is Peyton Tolley, for sure. Um, seeing him and, and and what he did with Wichita State for his first two seasons there, um, it, it seems like an absolutely incredible pickup for TCU in the transfer portal. Um, I, I had the chance to talk with him a couple of weeks ago, and he just basically said, look, I'm excited to come to this program. I can't wait to stand on the mound and then a couple minutes later start hitting in the batter's box. So, And, and, and that's also something that we've, you know, we haven't seen forever and for, for that to be here uh, in Fort Worth at TCU for TCU baseball, that's, that's pretty spectacular. And then I'm going to piggyback off Seth and just look forward to Anthony Silva. Tremendous freshman season. Um, really hoping for the best for him. Cause obviously the sophomore slump, it's, it's something that, you know, sometimes comes into play. We saw it last season with David Bishop, um, but Anthony Silva, he, he was really phenomenal last year and not to mention um, a top prospect, perhaps for the draft and uh, his younger brother, Jacob, um, he, his younger brother actually committed to TCU too. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he'll uh, stick around or possibly go to the draft before then, but we'll have to see. Riff Ram review Monday nights on 88.7, the choice. You can also find it on the TCU mobile app uh, from six to eight. Are you guys personally on Twitter? Do you want to plug your own social media accounts real quick? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm I'm on Twitter at Ian uh, dot Nepetian, and then that's that's Instagram as well. So, all right, Seth, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, Seth. Um, yeah, sorry. It's just my name at Seth Dowdle. So, uh, very easy. Surprised no one had taken taken that uh, username yet. Whenever <laughs> I got that a couple years ago. Zion, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, Twitter and uh, TikTok at Zion Trammell. Um, another thing too with our shows, you can listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Riff Ram Review. Uh, we also have a YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok all with the same name. So you can follow us there as well. Yeah, that's a good point. You can catch it. You don't have to catch it live. So like everything else in the world now, you can go back and listen to it on Apple Podcasts, et cetera. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this. We'll have to do this again. We'll make this a, a more regular thing um, and appreciate you guys joining in. Make sure uh, I'm, I'm going to follow you now on social media and everybody out there. Subscribe to Locked on Horn Frogs as well. Listen to the Referendum Review. Uh, it's your team, and we do this here every day.